Welcome to the ministry of Pastor Obi-Pax Harry, an apostolic and prophetic voice of our time, being used by God to impact lives and to change cultures. Sit back, open your Bible, and get ready to be transformed by the Word of God. I'm going to be teaching a topic that is very dear to my heart. Generational shifts for apostolic building. There's a lot of conversation about succession planning, a lot of teachings, a lot of discussions, like I said, about succession planning. I have a passion to see the humans, the individuals that become a reality or manifestation of succession planning examined in the entire equation. So what am I saying here? I'd like to look at closely examine how these individuals fit into a generational framework. So developing a generational framework for succession planning is a passion of my heart. Because if we're talking about succession planning and we've not built the framework, then we may run into problems. So I'm going to try my very best to articulate the burden of my heart by way of teaching. And I hope that somebody here will be impacted and somebody here will say, it is my time, it is my season, and I am going to manifest. Posterity will capture me, history will capture me, heaven will capture me, earth will capture me, because I am in the kingdom for such a time as this. And I was born with a purpose. I was made on purpose. I am not an accident. I was created to bring about a shift. Hallelujah. I was created to impact my world. I was created to establish the kingdom of God when I gave my life to the Lord. The kingdom of God, his kingdom rule that I carry in my heart, that uh, in my generation, I must be captured. I do hope that this is a message that helps you to be able to to make that call or to answer that call of heaven, whom shall we send, who, will, who shall I send, who will go for us? That you can say, in my time, Lord, count me worthy to go for you. Why? Because you have understanding of what exactly God is looking for. I say that in every generation, God has a people that he has prepared, he planted to move things forward. There is never a generation without a witness. The question is, who are they? And are they ready to move? So go with me to Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, would be my text, my opening text, my closing text, and really the foundation of what I would like to share by way of teaching. So Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. So reading, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. This is God saying. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Let me read that again. This is God speaking through his prophet Malachi. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. It's like a message of hope for warning you. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, 
lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So can we presuppose that God is saying there is something really important. This is at the end of the Old Testament. So there's something really important that has to be established before there is continuity. He said there is something extremely important that has to be looked at, that has to be considered as you move on, as you transit one era, one epoch, one time, one season into another. You need to look back and examine the status of the family. Family of God now, be it your business family. Which means relationships is very important to continuity. So here there's a picture of hope. So the Old Testament closes with this prophetic picture of hope. I will send you, God said. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. So behold, he's giving hope to the people. I will send you Elijah the prophet. I'm going to send you something. Which means there is something. There is a dynamic. There is a dimension. There is something that you need, but it's not going to come from you or out of you. God says, I will send you Elijah. Representing the prophetic voice. Say before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So before the coming of a, a time of evaluation and accounting. He says, I'm going to send you. Because I mean, you know, when he says great and dreadful day of the Lord. God is not saying the day that I'm going to wipe out the earth. Because we know that this is the close of the Old Testament. And the hope of the new was staring the, the earth on its face and that hope of the new is Jesus Christ the hope of our glory so really this was a, 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 an intersection or a time a critical crossover time that a, a door that was opening to a time of great hope which makes you and I people who are people of hope now so it's, it's at a, a good point a critical point a critical crossover point and God begins to say, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. That's a picture of hope. You can imagine you're standing at an edge, about to step into something new. One foot forward, you're into a totally new era. One foot back, you're back where you are. And obviously you want to put one foot forward. I say, hang on, there is something you need. Say, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. This is, look, I'm going to send you hope. And it goes on to say, and he will. So the hope that God is sending is a divine assistance. It is something that has the ability and the capacity to bring functionality, to lubricate things, to get things working. He said, and he will, indicating that number one, there is a definite assignment. Number two, it is divine because it's coming from God. Number three, it's going to be functional. It's going to be practical. It's going to be workable. And number four, there's going to be results because it's coming from God. He said, I will send you and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. So this assignment 
It's a, a reconciliatory assignment telling us that when we come to the edge of a thing, a tipping point, a crossover point, it's really critical. It's really delicate. We have to be mindful how we cross over into the new thing. It's a time of evaluation. It's a time to be circumspect. It's a time to be mindful. It's a time to be cautious. It's a time to be deliberate about instructions, intentional about connectivity to the Father and the heart of the Father and the desire of the Father. So he he has an assignment. Behold, I will. What I'm sending you has an assignment. And the assignment is to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So it, can we presume that if that reconciliation does not happen, there is a possibility of a vulnerability that begins to look like a land is cursed. That, that, that there is a, a vulnerability to a land, to a person, to a family, to a business, to a thing that, that makes the enemy come like a flood. Even like a thief at night. Even in, in many, 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 many distinct, distinctions the enemy can come. Because there is a vulnerability. There is a gap generational gap. There are things that have not happened that should happen. Can we then presume that there comes a time in the progression of life when one generation has to pause and another generation has to move up and the generations link hands because there is a crossover. Can we presume that there are crossovers that one generation cannot go on its own? Can, can, we, can we presume that? Can we presume that there is a forward movement that, that requires, you know, everyone on board? Can we presume that there is an advancement that, 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 that you can't afford to leave some people behind? That you can't afford to leave gaps? But this time, the gap that we are examining is generational gaps. The gap that we are examining is generational gaps. That one generation has to move with the other generation. And in, in some cases, where there have been such delays, let's say like in the context of a nation, that even in context of knowledge and understanding, that to catch up, the generations have to come together. That is, they have to hear the voice of one another's wisdom. They... they the younger generation's feet have to be able to carry the older generation. I, I, I remember, I was only maybe four in the civil war of Nigeria, Biafran war, and I would never forget the day that, you know, this bomb blast went off behind our home. It was at night, and everybody was just running into the streets, and there was just, it was pitch people were calling out for family members and everybody was screaming out names. Do you know on that street it was the generations moving together towards refuge seeking refuge seeking a place of shelter seeking divine intervention seeking mercy moving in one direction 
because moving backwards is towards the war. Moving sideways is, you know, out of safety because where do you go? Moving to the left or to the right means that you're outside of the framework of safety. So it was how either you moved forward with everyone else, with names being screamed out and, and just hopelessness all over the place, or you move backwards. So what do we do when we come to this critical point of crossover as the entire earth has come? Kalima Sata Basuraba. What do we do? Our foundation is the word of God. Our pattern must be the word of God. So come with me to, as we examine this very important topic that I believe is so important. If God says this is going to be the recipe for the healing of the lands, because he says otherwise, I'm going to strike the earth with a curse. That means we have solution of the redemption of families, isn't it? And the, and the nation is a is family. So there is a place for that convergence of the generations. That, you know, the coming together, the partnership of the generations, the fathers and the children, and the children and the fathers. One heart begins to bring some dynamics, if you would just... Um, um, note this down so that coming together or partnership of the fathers and the children the fathers bring to the table wisdom they bring benefit of history they bring benefit of counsel they bring benefit of eldership while the children bring benefit of speed benefit of insight benefit of momentum benefit of vitality so they bring this to the table and all this is necessary for forward advancement. We need the wisdom of the fathers. We need the history to move with. We need the counsel of the fathers. We need the eldership, the covering, all that they have, the weight that they carry. And, and certainly we need the vitality of the younger ones. We need their speed. We need their momentum. We need their vitality. We need what they carry naturally. What age gives to them. So we need what age has bequeathed to each generation to come together for there to be for effective advancement to occur. Be it in human capital development. Be it in economic development. Be it in ruling, ruling over a nation. Be it in, in governing a nation. Be it in governing your family. Wherever you have human, you know, uh, congregation, human, you know, relationship, it is very important that at the critical times of crossover that we begin to examine what we have, what we've been blessed with. We begin to recognize the relationships around us. We begin to add value to what God has given us naturally. You know, we begin to think about accountability. We begin to think about organizing the family so that we move together in, in, in unison and in an orderly manner that no one's hurt. What does that mean to us in reality? So mentally, you know, academically, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, economically, there is a fusion, a reconciliation, a, a putting together you know, of things. That means there has to be an evaluation. That means you have to actually be conscious, be aware of what you have been blessed with by God. 
You have to know what God has given you naturally. Your redemptive gifts. In terms of nations, you have to recognize, identify. It's a bit like, you know, like times and season giving you opportunity to buy back time according to Ephesians 5.16. To redeem time. So this season I'm talking about puts you at a critical point where everything that heaven has made available to you is for you to be able to take account of what you have. Your, your biggest potentials. Your greatest potentials. Your, your innate potentials. Your intrinsic potentials. The, the endowments. Divine endowments. What did God bless you with? What has he given you? What, what comes naturally to you? What is around you? We can say who's around you. So it's a time to take cognizance of what you have. Yes. It's a time to evaluate. It's a time to, to take account. So that you can make account. To yourself. To history. So you become one that is a history maker. You become one that prolongs history rather than one that abrogates, one that cuts off. So on your watch and in your time and in your generation, everyone's stuck because you never took account. So we want to put this as, you know, bridging generational gaps. So it's very, very important. Malachi 4 Verses 5 and 6, I don't think are accident scriptures. I do believe that the creator God, the awesome God, finished that era very well by telling us, giving us a picture of the journey onwards. Because the journey onwards is going to be a journey of reconciliation. A journey that reconciles man to God, fallen man to God. So this is a pattern that when you come to a time of generational shift, let me say 100 years is completed by a nation. 50 years is completed by a nation. 40 years is completed by a people, by a person. That there has to be a somberness. There's got to be a solemnness about us, about you, that enables you to become reflective. So you begin to think about the mercies of God. You begin to consider the God that you have. You begin to think about all he has done in your life for you. And for others around you, even through you, you'll be amazed how many lies the devil's told you. So it's a, it's a place where nature, God's goodness naturally creates a pause moment, almost like a hiatus. And if we are not discerning people, we're not going to take note. Yeah. So behold, I will send you Elijah. So the picture of the merciful God begins to unfold before us. So behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet. I'm 
going to send you supernatural ability of insight or foresight. I'm going to awaken what I have inside of you. Where your creation now? And Paul writes the saints in, in, uh, in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. He begins to talk about the diversities of gifts. He begins to talk about the manifestation of the Spirit. So what God has placed in us, and Romans chapter 12, verses 6 and 8, you know, narrate creation gifts. So supernatural abilities that we carry within us as creation gifts, as part of our makeup. And prophecy is one of those. So, you know, the ability, you know, to operate in insight and foresight, led by the Spirit of God, insight, inspiration, and supernatural ability to perceive and predict the mind of God, led by the Spirit of God that dwells inside of the new creation. Okay? So our foresight, insight, into situations and circumstances is driven by the Spirit of God that lives inside of us and not by divination or external forces. Okay? So now what I'm saying to you is, so imagine that at critical crossover times, what God has placed in man naturally, and this is the Old Testament he was talking about, the door to the old, closing perfectly, and God himself being a pattern and a model of what I'm trying to communicate to you, that God himself giving us a picture, saying, look, this era is closing, for you to come into the new, I'm sending you a supernatural ability that's going to make it easy for you. I'm sending you the spirit of Elijah, the prophet. I'm sending you Elijah. He says, it says Elijah, the prophet. And we can see from Luke chapter 1, verse 17, that the scripture was quoted in fulfillment with regards to John the Baptist. So God wasn't talking about resurrecting Elijah the dead prophet saying the spirit that was in Elijah the man James 5 16 mentions it so watch the progression the spirit that was in Elijah the man I am going to place on a man that is coming to prepare the way for the Messiah John the Baptist and he will have exactly the same assignment to reconcile the hearts of the fathers to the children, children. But beyond that, because this is a new era with a new assignment. Because I'm not going to curse the land. He will make ready a people prepared for the day of the Lord. Luke 1, 17 says. Now the same spirit of Elijah is still with us. The Holy Spirit is ascending spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The Bible says who will take us into all truth. And the entire earth, the angels are declaring the glory of God over the entire earth. The entire earth is at a critical time of crossover. And now it is a time for the manifestation of the sons of God. And we have to be a people who understand how to evaluate epochs eras, times, seasons. And what does that mean? We have to be a circumspect people. We have to be a people that stop, look back, come where we are, examine stuff, and look at where we're going. And where we're going has to present us with enough challenge, excitement that makes us pause. 
and evaluate what we're going with. So in the pattern of the end of the old God says, look, you're not going to make a, a, a successful exit with generational gaps. You won't be able to achieve that because you're going to forget what one generation did to another uh, to, to the other. You're going to forget my goodness from one generation to the other. You're going to forget my mercies from one generation to the other. You're going to forget my steadfastness from one generation to the other. And once you do that, you break a hedge and the enemy is then able to penetrate with the same lie he told in Eden had the Lord said. He's going to be able to convince you that God is not able to protect you. He's going to be able to convince you that the earth is not God's estate. He's going to bring you an inferiority and an inferior mindset that makes you a slavery to what is yours by way of inheritance. He's going to make you an outsider to what God has given you naturally just because you did not steward the season as the Lord has said to steward it. So this is really important. It critical really. Beyond succession planning. The generations that are emerging. And the generations that have been leading the way. Have to have a, a hiatus. Where there can be generational exchange. That in, in, in vision. In mission. In aspiration, in desire, in burden bearing, that the generations come to a place of convergence where there is a shared vision, shared passion. Everybody comes to that place where they are of one heart and they are ready to move forward. So, for instance, in the case of nation building, everybody sees our nation is important enough for all of us to fight for. In case of the family, immediate biological family, everybody says, no, we have to rebuild the broken walls of this family. We can't really stay the way we have been. We have lost so much momentum. We have lost so much of what God has given us. Be it a company. The company begins to evaluate. We have to examine how our company functions. We have to look at our structure. We have to see whether the, our structure is strong enough to carry what we're hoping to happen in our company. The, the, the good things we want to happen for us in our company. The growth that we are expecting. You know, we impact we want to make. So it's a time to examine our structures and our systems. Can they really carry what it is that we are hoping for so you know nature and God's goodness creates the enabling environment for us to be able to evaluate and it is necessary to evaluate so here like I said the old finished perfectly God said I will I will I'm going to send you this gift Elijah the prophet and he's coming with an assignment. And the assignment is to reconcile the hearts of the fathers to the children and hearts of the children to the fathers. This is going to be necessary, he said, so that I will not curse the land. And the new opens. And we see that. It opens. Luke 117. And God begins to, in the prophecy over uh, John the Baptist, the coming of John the Baptist, we see in verse 17, begins to introduce that, hang on, it's not natural Elijah that is coming. It's the spirit of Elijah. The spirit that powered his ministry. The spirit that gave him the impetus to go into Ahab's inner chambers. To confront idolatry of his time. 
there's going to be that the generation that is coming what is coming the one that you're preparing the way for the one that is bringing the kingdom pattern is the son of God the one that is going to this coming is one that can enter anywhere to establish truth righteousness and justice because Elijah the Tishbite the Bible tells us in 1 Kings 17 just went broke through barriers confronted Ahab right at the core of the problem of the nation and says look you have trusted in a graven image that claims to be the God over rain and so at my word because I'm a man of force at an inside I know what obtains in the Torah I know what Yahweh has promised us there will be no dew no rain three and a half years and because he tapped into the settled word of God in heaven heaven was able to back him up yeah heaven was able to back up Elijah for that length of time God was able to take him to the brook to begin to prepare him water was the language so right there in that place of water God began to feed him by ravens now this spirit the spirit of this man that, were, that went through at least four processes levels of equipping to be able to birth a new order to be able to birth transformation national transformation this is the spirit God says I'm putting in John the Baptist the one that is going to prepare the way for the Lord he's coming in the spirit this is the spirit that must be generously available at a time of crossover at a time of crossover I begin to look for generations of people who will recognize that the future has to be now a people hungry enough for change that they, like they, they say look I'm here count me and I'm a change maker a people who recognize that as wonderful as the past was that we have to move forward but who also know that they cannot move on their own that they need the wisdom of the old to move who are they so we're talking about bridging generational gaps. We're talking about generational gaps that must be examined for apostolic building, for effective apostolic building, for the church to be able to build apostolic houses that will carry the glory of God and dis dispense this glory of God that its knowledge covers the earth as the waters cover the seas. So we've been talking about generations. William Webster defines a generation as a group of people born and living during the same time. A group of people born and living during the same time. He says, a body of living beings constituting a single step in the line of descent. A body of living beings constituting a single step in the line of descent from an ancestor. A third definition, again Webster, the period between successive steps in natural descent usually taken at 30 years in humans. Usually taken at 30 years in humans. So you can imagine a space where you know, there is generational gaps that you can have ages 1 to 60 really dormant and ages 60 to 80 active. So it, going by the definition of Miriam Webster, it means that in a space you could have two generations 
you know, that haven't been reconciled, even to the generation that is active. So you, 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 you now have three generations, and there isn't a reconciliation of those three generations. So the wisdom of ages 60 to 80 has not been handed over to ages 60 to 30, let alone 30, to uh, one. So the 30-year-old has not come into full maturity to be able to administrate family inheritance, biological, family of God. So the 30-year-old has not been given the responsibility of sonship, has not manifested as a son, has not understood that they are son. I'm talking about in the context of scripture now. And even in biological context, the child can be treated like a, a, a baby, an immature person, because you have not been handed, you know, by your parents what you need to govern, what you need to identify with the family inheritance. You've not been given responsibility. So now how are you going to be someone that can take, a responsibility, take responsibility for a nation? How can you take responsibility for a people? How can you take responsibility in a church? So you're going to be someone that attends. You're never going to be someone that, you know, works. So service doesn't become, you don't have a service culture because you're someone that has been treated like a, a baby, been served, been served, been served, been served. You have not known what it is to serve. There are some cultures when by the time you're 10, 11, like, you know, where we live in Solihull, you're already doing newspaper rounds. There are other places where seven, uh, 10 year olds, 11 year olds are being looked after by nannies. So what are we talking about? That we are in a critical crossover, the entire earth. The church, the ecclesia, being God's people, called out people, who are to model God's pattern for sustainable transformation, really. God's pattern for living well. God's pattern for victory. God's pattern for victorious living. And when I talk about victorious living, I want to break this down. That is God's pattern for being able to live day to day without daily trauma. Being able to run, you know, the affairs of life. Being able to live without daily expectation of chaos and crisis and conflicts. Being able to manage conflict and crisis and trials because you're a person that understands your purpose. You understand your God that is inside of you. You understand whose you are and you understand who is inside of you. I'm talking about a son of God. I'm talking about the believer that Romans 8.19 tells us that the entire earth, the earnest expectation, not just the expectation, there is an a zeal, an earnestness, that the earnest expectation of the creation is awaiting. You're waiting for the manifestation, the emergence, the, the display, the coming out of such persons who are going to become Kalima Sakata, pathfinders, who are going to show the earth the way that we understand. Now we're talking about generational gaps. We're talking about fixing generational gaps. We're talking about how do we cross over 
into a new phase of life. And we're saying no to crossover, effective crossover of generation. And we have seen well, Miriam Webster talks about in humans 30 years. So we say, look, how can a, 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 a circle of 30 year old, 30 years in terms of experience, another circle of 30 years in terms of experience, another circle of 30 years in terms of experience, merge their wisdom, merge their, their, their competences, merge their skill set, merge, you know, their experience, merge their innate gifts, merge their intrinsic gifts, merge the goodness of God, merge the stories of what God has done in their lives. How can this happen so that the generation that is going ahead is not going ahead without benefit of, 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 of revelation, without benefit of wisdom, without benefit of history, without benefit of history. How are they going to become history? makers if they never knew the history of where their fathers were coming from. If they never knew the history of where their nations come from. If they never knew the history of where their churches come from. If they never knew the history of where their families come from. If they never knew the history of the values that their nations were built on. Oh my God. If they removed the ancient landmark that their father said, according to Proverbs 22, 28, if they remove the landmarks of righteousness that point them to where they can begin from, how do we then, church, effectively cross over to actualize the promise of God? How do we become redeemers and deliverers to nations? I don't think it's possible. Unless we take advantage of the enabling climate and, and, and atmosphere and all that God is giving us now to come into this hiatus and just look and examine the steadfastness of God. Go back to founding fathers. Go back to foundation of nations. Go back to the foundation of the word. Go back to foundations. Indeed, the psalmist asks in Psalm 11 verse 3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So he's saying, look, if the foundation of right living is destroyed, what are those that are called to be deliverers to others? What are they going to do? What do they stand on? How are they going to be able to carry out their assignment? What's going to be their foundation, local standards we say in law, what are they going to be standing on? What's the argument going to be based on? Who are you going to stand on to say, give me that nation as my inheritance? Psalm 2 verse 8, what qualifies you to ask for a nation? No, not just because you're born again. God is mindful of experience. He's mindful of wisdom. He's mindful of understanding. He's mindful of history. Every generation is expected to manage time given to them so responsibly that another generation can run with all that they have been able to steward in their time. Indeed, Solomon puts it very succinctly in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 that you can, you can work so hard. You can labor so much. 
and leave all that to a fool. So a full generation that is not going to be able to transfer the wisdom, not even going to be able to collect and collate and break down and extract strategies from the experiences of the past generation. So they become a triumphant generation, a winning generation, a victorious generation, a, a generation of deliverers that can be trusted to run nations, that can be trusted to run conglomerates, that can be trusted by God. So it's really awesome, it's really profound and worth examining. It is really worth examining. I know we all want breakthrough. I know we all want great things. We all want, you know, to do this and do that. And that, that's really what God wants for us. But we have to understand that we're no longer children. That the earth is our father's estate. And it takes much more than name it, claim it to run affairs of a nation. We have to understand that we're nations, ethnos. We're nations. We have to understand that we're carrying the kingdom, rule of God. So we got to be people who understand how to govern, how to administrate, how to reform, how to transform. But then we have to be people that whatever we do for God, we have to be thinking about sustainability. And that doesn't come by just wishful thinking. It comes by careful, intentional, deliberate examining and examination of the state of affairs in reality as they are. As Malachi chapter 4 verse 5 to 6 tell us that even God himself, he saw the future, he saw the present, he saw the past, because he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever. Covering tomorrow and beyond. He's a luck. The old is closing. <laughs> but I leave you with hope of the future. And that hope is an ability. A spirit's power. A spiritual force. I'm sending in the person that is coming to make preparation for the Messiah to come. John the Baptist. And we know Matthew 11, 11 tells us that, you know, that never changed. That even for us who are going to manage and live out the kingdom of God, that since the days of John the Baptist until now, the prescription for kingdom advancement never changed. It says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It says the kingdom of God enjoys to see passionate demand for what is yours, commitment to the cause of advancement and actually advancing, multiplying the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the giftings of God inside of you, the talent that God's given you, you know, because it's not his will that any should perish. I hope I'm making sense here. That, you know, that the, the prescription for expansion, for extension, for breakthrough, you know, for all that we could ever ask. What get, God has a burden. 
as we have burden. God wants to break through as we want to break through, but he breaks through through you. And so what I'm saying to us is that we've got to be a people that are so conscious of closing generational gaps, reconciling generational gaps, so that we have effective crossover, and the work begins of taking back our father's estate. Yes. Malika Basuta, advancing so that the gates of Hades cannot prevail against you. Children cannot advance against the, uh, the, the gates of Hades. Only sons. Because sons have understanding. Sons are programmed to move forward. Sons know their inheritance. Sons go for their inheritance. Sons preserve legacy. They don't shut out the future. They embrace the future. Would that be you? Would that be you today? Would that be you? Father, I just want to thank you for the grace to share your word for such a time as this. I do pray that this word will touch the hearts of the listeners. And out of this word, that deliverers will rise up. Deliverers to nations. Deliverers to families. Deliverers to businesses. Men and women who will rise up and say, Lord, give me. Here am I. Send me. I pray that this message will be a message of God that quickens the progressive minds, the forerunners, the pathfinders, the pioneers to rise up and begin to make a demand on you, Father, for that activation of the grace that we carry as those who have received the ministry of reconciliation through you to reconcile the generations so that nations do not become cursed lands. Not because you cursed the nation, but because the nation chose to walk and to operate like a cursed people. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. To order more copies of this message or other messages, you can order from our Nehemiah Apostolic Resource Center or nehemiahcenter at gmail.com. You can also contact our European office, contact at rlachurch.org.